Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk with your host, Jacob Poole, and myself, Jeremy Shaw. Poole, man, we're nearing the end of yet another great duck season. Duck and deer season. Yeah, yeah, they're both quickly, uh, I guess by the time this airs, man, we'll be quickly approaching the uh, the end of both of them. Well, you know, we've got, I think Captain Stu will be on the Saturday before this, which is going to be this coming. So, yeah, this will be the last, this one will be on the last Saturday of the month. So, yeah, yeah. we will be winding down another another fabulous deer season and duck season, so. Just looking forward to that uh that spring turkey season here in Mississippi and well any other states and and get it get it kicked off. Well, I've noticed on social media, which I I started doing it a couple of weeks ago on ours too, but you know I had a couple of things pop up on my my feed reminding me about turkey season or or we were actually seeing some turkeys while deer hunting. So I, I posted a few things about turkeys and it was amazing how many people, you know, I've I seen since the un you know, either either posted on there or, you know, their news feeds have started to change to where they're putting turkeys on there. I guess everybody's kind of getting down to the, like you say, getting down to the end and and looking forward to the next one because, you know, if, if we've told on here before, we look at seasons differently on a hunting show. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not spring, summer, winter, fall. It's, you know, deer season, duck season, turkey season. Fishing season, dove season, teal season. season, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Different seasons it makes it makes a year go round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Talking about turkey, you're a pretty knowledgeable guy when it comes to turkeys. So the other day, I was I got to deer hunt a little bit. Something I haven't done a whole lot of, but I've managed to get me a get me a couple in the freezer. But I was deer hunting the other day, and I had four hen turkeys walk out. From the looks of these birds, they look, now they came out about 150 or so yards from me, but they looked like they weighed 50 pounds apiece. The turkeys, and I guess I've, I mean, I've seen turkeys this time of the year throughout my whole hunting life, I guess you could say, but do they stack on feathers or anything for cold weather? I'm telling you, these birds looked huge. Have you noticed that or? Have any insight on that? Now, Jeremy, I'm not a biologist, and I don't claim to be an expert, but I would assume that they do put on a little, but I, I wouldn't swear to that because, I mean, the ones that we've been seeing this year look normal to me. I mean, I haven't noticed anything really? that, that went from, you know, an 18-pound hen to or a 15-pound hen to a 50-pound hen. Because I, I might would have well, to it may just have just walk. Been the, it may have been the fact that I'm looking at an empty food plot for so long, and then these turkeys walk out, and it's just something out I'm there hoping, to look at. I don't know. I hope but, that's uh, what it was because I can't I can't see one putting on that much mass, whether it's all feathers or or a fat layer. Right, right. I don't know. They uh they just look massive to look, me. And I was sitting there. I looked at them through the scope, and I'm like, gosh, these all four ends. I mean, they just they looked huge. You know, that may be a great social media question to throw out there and see how many experts. Maybe so. I should have took a picture and see if anybody else thought the same. But they were, they came, uh, they came out, I guess it was, you know, 150 yards or so from me. And when they walked, I thought it was a pig to begin with. I just happened to glance, seen something black. And I'm like, golly, there's a pig. And I'm looking I'm like, that gum, that's a turkey. And so I look at them through the scope and, uh, and yeah, it was four, four hen turkeys just walking around out there, pecking around in the food plot. And then, uh, my goodness, they're huge. I, uh, I'm gonna I'm claim not to know the answer there because I don't want to. I don't want to give you a an exact answer and somebody come out and dispute it. But yeah, right, anybody right. listening to this, if you know, you know, and and I can't. The birds up north that are used to dealing with cold more and are in a higher protein area. You know, the first one I killed in Missouri weighed twenty two, twenty three pounds, and when I picked it up, I'm like, my God, what a what have I found? And we actually went and bought a fish scale at a hmm. outdoor sport to just to weigh the turkey to make sure I was right that it was over twenty pounds. 
And yeah. I, I can't remember exactly what it weighed. It was 21, 22 pounds, but it was like, wow. And then you get to talking to people up there and, oh man, 25 pounders, not, not uncommon. Like, hmm, it is <laughs> an Amit County. Yeah. I guess they, they struggling to live down in our area. <laughs> Maybe they'll get run around as much up there. That and just protein levels. I mean, I guess if you don't yeah. have the hardwood bottoms or the soybean or alfalfa fields, you know, when we were in Nebraska a couple of years ago, the the farmer up there absolutely hated a turkey, and I couldn't figure out what his deal was until he took us up on a hill and showed us one of his alfalfa fields. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a spider web of bare dirt. And I asked wow. him, I said, man, did you get a blight or something in there? And he's like, no. He said, that's in dadgum turkeys. He said, when the shoots are first coming up, they walk through and peck them. And he said, then as the grass is growing, yeah, you know, they're walking through dragging wings and strutting. And he said, they just, they'll destroy a crop for you. And we're talking about a hundred acre field. We're not talking about a small field. And it was, it, huh. it looked like a, you know how, which I don't know if most people have ever looked at it, but if you go and look at a, a map, of Amit County, there's a lot of places where the pipelines cross. Yeah. You know, and it just looks like one's laid over on top of the other. Right. That's the way this field looked from with Bear Turkey huh. Pass to where they had a stretch that they walked, I guess, every day or a couple times a day, and they had, they had absolutely killed everything. But I know those turkeys were bigger. I'm not going to say they yeah. had more feathers, you know, had a bigger fat layer and were just bigger-bodied birds. Who knows? You may have some kind of implants. I don't know, man. It was just, I, I just sat there and watched them. I mean, they, they hung out with me till, till almost dark, and then they, they started to slip off the roost. But it was it was just really weird. I mean, I looked at them several times through the scope. And I cannot believe how big these birds look. And, you know, I was just thinking that, hey, it's a long, open food plot with nothing else in it. And these turkeys gets out here and just look like something huge. But, it uh, it, I don't, I, I don't know, but, uh. But what about duck season, man? I hadn't talked to you a whole lot about duck hunting. You, I've been a, you know, the first part of the year, teal season, and then a couple trips that I was able to go on earlier in the year, hit it to Utah and then hit Arkansas a couple times, hit Louisiana a couple times, and w- was able to have some really good hunts in that. And then I guess in the last couple of weeks, I really haven't. I've been once or twice, and it's been a, you know, a hit or a miss. You know, we went at one time, and then our buddy Gary went and I went back another time and had a pretty good morning. Yeah. But I'm trying to think after that. It's been, you know, I went to Texas weekend before last and did a little bow hunting on pigs and stopped back in South Louisiana at a buddy's place down there, and it was slow, slow. But that's what they, yeah, that's you know, they had a, that's kind of the story I've been hearing from everybody talking to folks is that it, I guess right after Christmas, it kind of, kind of dialed down. Yeah, we were, I mean, I've spent most of my time right there pretty close to the camp and in some of the public woods, but you know, we, we was, we were having a good, a good season up until I would say the week of Christmas. Um, Gary Wayne and I were making some, some weekday hunts and hitting a couple of days on the weekend. It's mainly trying to dodge the crowds, but it, uh, we were doing very well. And then it seemed right there around Christmas, it, it started tapering off pretty good. And we, we started trying to find some new places to hunt because kind of been, you know, staying in the same general area there because it's producing so well. And we went out, tried to find some new ground and, and, and had a decent hunt here or there. And, you know, we had our little cold front that we had, what, a week or so ago, a week and a half ago, where we had a little bit of snow hit the ground up in that way, and went right after that with some with some big hopes, but, you know, right after that daylight of that hunt, it those hopes kind of kind of went poor, and um, it's been it's been struggling ever since, and, you know, with the, with the way the Mississippi Delta has flooded over the last couple of years, water just seemed, you know, almost, you know, something normal, but... Um, I guess we had almost forgotten about how just rainwater collects in those woods up there. And we hadn't, I'm going to say we really hadn't got a push of birds in a couple few weeks. It seems like not a whole lot of new flight birds, but I think it's just getting to that time of the year where you're getting enough seasonal rain to where, you know, some sheet water starts collecting in the woods, some low areas starts filling up, maybe spilling out of some sloughs. And I think what few birds we have, they're just, they're finding that, 
that food source it's becoming new and dispersing what few birds we got out is what seemed like to us and we got into an area that we had hunted several heck for 10 years now that finally got a little little water in it you know shin ankle deep water and we hunted this past weekend on saturday morning got in there and i bet you it was 10 minutes before shooting light we had four or five milers just fall right in and gary wayne and i were looking at each other and said this is this is going to develop into something pretty good and Man, we walked out with two wood ducks. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen so, from time to time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we, you know, we were trying to do what we do what we were supposed to do and not shoot any before shooting lights. So we, we let them come in and and sit down and do their thing and had some public land hunting pretty close to us and they they kind of got on out of there right at right at shooting light it seemed like which didn't bother me a whole lot. I was thinking. You know, we had four or five mallards come in there before, before shooting time. It's going to, it's going to get pretty good here in just a little bit, but it just never did, man. It's, it's, uh, like I was telling Gary Wayne when we were coming home that day, I said, you know what? I said, the hunting's been fun, but if you get mad over walking out with two wood ducks, you may ought to just stay at home. Oh, no doubt. You know, I don't know if we've really hit on this over the years, but. If you're going to be a duck hunter, a deer hunter, a turkey hunter, any type of hunter or fisherman, you have to be first an optimist. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be a pessimist to a point, but you have to be, a, you know, tomorrow's going to be better. Tomorrow's going to be better. Because if not, you don't get out of bed and go. That's you know, right. It, it's just plain and simple. If if you don't feel like you're going to have a good chance of success, you're not going to do the things that we do or sit through and torment your body, your equipment, your your vehicles, your family, you know, I mean, everybody has to be pretty well an optimist going into it. You know, if you're a farmer, you're an optimist and a pessimist at the same time because you, yeah. you're negative on weather, you're negative on so many things, and then you're you're just praying to the good Lord that you get something good to come out <laughs> of it. So it's it's kind of the same deal. You, you know, it's 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 funny you say that because. We, we ended that hunt. We were going to come home Saturday and, 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 you know, as we were driving home, me and him and, and Shedler were talking and we were like, you know what? Let's just call it a season. Don't see it getting any better. There's not any, you know, weather patterns coming our way. Nothing's really going to change or not really forecasted to change. And, you know, let's just, let's just call it a season and, and, you know, maybe do a little bit of deer hunting around the house for, before that it wraps up and put a little bit more meat in the freezer and we were all in agreement with that oh yeah i agree yeah yeah let's just call it and maybe it gets better and then i catch myself and we were group messaging each other about three days later what y'all think about make, making one more mm -hmm. <laughs> well you know you've got all year before it comes around so you can go again right so you, right you have to make that last ditch effort uh you know oh, this, yeah. this weekend well, I guess this will actually be the weekend that this airs. My little buddy Hayden and I are headed back down to Florida, which I've usually the last couple of years have made the end of the year trip down there. And right, th there's nothing, there's nothing spectacular in the duck hunting world to go down to where we're going. But the guys that we go with are a, a great group of guys, and they'll they'll take us and look. The guy I talked to the other day, he's like, "Man, don't worry." He said, "I'm gonna go out about eleven o'clock. I'm gonna get that spot that I want." Like you're gonna go out at eleven o'clock in the morning? He said, No, no, no. I'm gonna go out there and sit in the boat all night. You're oh gonna, wow. You're gonna do who now? Uh, <laughs> so he's gonna go out. I think two boats are gonna go out and they're gonna go and and hang out and tie up and or anchor up and they yeah. will sit all night long till they pick us up about four o'clock on the edge of the beach where we're mm. going in Florida and then one boat will leave and one will stay on station to hold the spot and then we'll go back out and we will we will make that hunt from there. And it's like, dude, that is hardcore. I mean, we've been out at two and three o'clock in the morning or many a morning, but I can't remember ever going out at eleven o'clock to sit in a hole Yeah. To save a spot and and heck, I'm not even sure if that's legal most places that you go. I don't know. That's uh, I've out, I've outgrown that in my life. I can go ahead and tell you that. <laughs> Why do you think I go on so many guided hunts, or <laughs> uh, you know, spent spent years trying to find a good camp to get into, to where we could get up at five thirty and get in the hole by six, and 
be shooting ducks. Oh, at, yeah. At daylight at 630 or whatever shooting light is that morning. No, yeah, I, we, I wanted we to simplify a, a this similar, a whole lot. We had a similar story to that from last year that got, I got up to the camp opening weekend and was going to hunt that Friday and wasn't a whole lot of people up there. So I really didn't know who I was going to hunt with or where I was going to hunt on that Friday. And one of the guys in the camp, Mark, he had, uh, we were talking and he said, I got, I got them scouted out for in the morning. I said, well, man, I have no plans. It's just me. I said, uh, I said, you got a, you know, open spot. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, what time you want to get there in the morning? I'm like, dude, I don't, what, what do you think? He said, he said, and it was a ball game playing. I may have been the egg bowl playing at the camp. I can't remember. He said, as soon as this egg bowl's over with, I'm going to eat me a sandwich and I'm going to go on out there. I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go on out there. I'm like, Mark, is this, uh, is this on public land? You're going to get there at, you know, this is, you know, ball game be over with 10, 10 30, something like that. He said, you want to kill him? I said, yeah, I do. He said, uh, he said, well, I'm going. I said, are, I said, well, hold up. Are you expecting me to go with you? He said, no, 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 no. He said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave everything in the truck and, you know, decoys and all that. And he said, you bring that in with you. I said, well, I'm going to see you at about 3.30 and 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. He said, I'll be there. So sure enough, he strikes out. So I pull up where the, where the parking lot was and I had me about a, I don't know, half a mile walk and, so I, I got his decoys out of the truck, got my gun and everything, and, and I go easing on in there and conveniently didn't have any cell phone service that way. So I, I, I got pretty close to where I, I figured I could see him and I seen a flashlight hanging up in a tree. And then all of a sudden he starts flashing at me and I flash back at him and he figures out it's me. And so I get there and he's got him a hammock strung up in between two trees and he's just laid back. And, uh, I said, man, have you, have you had any company? He said, well, at one thirty, he said, uh, he said, I seen, seen some guy or I heard some guys coming and he said, I shine my light over there and they were, they were nice enough. They turned around and left. And he said, so then I drifted off a little bit to sleep and I heard something and I seen some lights and that was about two thirty. And he said, I shine my light over there and they kept coming. And he said, I didn't know if it was you or not. And ended up it was two, it was two lights. He said, I knew it wasn't you. And, uh, it was some guys that walked in there and he talked to them for just a minute and they said, well, you're here. You got us beat. So we're going somewhere else. And shortly after I got there and here come another group of guys and we kind of shined them. They left, but it, uh, I was, I was, I was praying the whole time. I said, please let this pay off for Mark. <laughs> and co- conveniently enough, it was, it was another guy, one of his good buddies that he hunts with a lot. He showed up right at shooting time. And, uh, we walked out of there with 18 gadwall and, uh, it did work out. I was, I was really hoping that we wouldn't walk out of there with, with one of those two wood duck hunts being he's partially slept in a hammock all night, but, uh, but it did work out. But you know, that is a, now that you say that anybody listening to this, that is a fine idea. Yeah. How many times over the years could we have used a hammock when you were sitting, you know, waist deep in water or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wouldn't have been that hard to have found a, a bank or a little rise or something that was just up out of the water to have gone and tied a hammock to and instead of laying on the ground or sitting on a mud stool. Yep. It, it, this spot had some dry land right there around it and he, he had to wade in a little piece till he got to that dry land and, and right there at the edge of where we're going to hunt. He just got there, took his waders off and strung his hammock up and had him a couple flashlights he just hung up in the trees in case he did go to sleep somebody would at least you know see somebody was there and he said things were going good he drifted off about midnight and uh he said what sounded like 30 but realistically it's probably two coyotes started cutting up pretty close to him and so he said he eased that shotgun a little bit closer to him than what it was and uh he said that didn't last long they kind of went off in the distance but yeah, he said he, he said he had a good night, and thank goodness we had a good hunt to to go along with it. Well, you know, you say that, and we both say that we we not going to do that anymore. But I'm gonna have to back up and retract that. Uncle Allen and his buddy Conway contacted <laughs> me, and, and yes, I, I have now said Conway's name on the podcast because he said he wanted to hear his name said. So <laughs> Uncle Allen and Conway called me and. They wanted to go to a spot up at Panther that they had found. Yeah. Another good friend of theirs had, had located this spot and man, it was, it was, 
it was hundreds of ducks using this hole. I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm interested. I said, what time y'all want to leave? How about 11 o'clock? I'm like, at night? I mean, I get it. It's a three-hour drive, but, you know, you, yeah. can, you can't even leave the parking lot till four. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we get up there at two, it doesn't do us any good other than we're the first ones in the parking lot. We still got to run to wherever we're going if there's another <laughs> group trying to go that way anyway. So anyway, we wind up leaving about 11 o'clock at night and went up mm. Recaven, met Conway, got him another guy got in with us no another guy got in the truck with conway anyway we take off and we get up there and we sit in the parking lot two hours visiting and getting stuff together and then had about a mile walk in a mile and a half walk in Mm -hmm. down a a levee which was pretty good walking i mean it, it wasn't that bad at all and we split decoys up amongst us and you know you take the take the least amount of stuff that you absolutely have to have and we get in there and i've got i've got the dog stand and sunny with me so i've got a pretty good amount on me as we go and we get back in there and first shine the light i'm like is this the hole and i'm like yeah yeah, this is a hole and you sit there real quiet and you can hear ducks i mean you can hear wood ducks over there you can hear you know, a little wank, 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 get it back. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, it's ducks here somewhere, but right. wasn't nothing in the water that we walked in on. Well, we get to looking and there's an old blind on the edge of the hole. And it's like, guys, you know, for nothing else, we can get up out of the water for a little while. Could we, once we walked in, we still had an hour and a half almost for daylight. Mm-hmm. So we get up, get it, get decoys out, get set in and, we should have killed several ducks early, you know. Uh I think it was five of us all together. Another guy met us there and you know, folks not used to hunting together and I'm calling and keeping an eye on the dog and kinda of waiting. First first group came in, it was a big mallard almost set down on the water and I'm waiting on somebody to shoot it. My gun's still hanging on the tree. And nobody shoots. And I'm like, Hey guys, y'all wanna shoot that one? You know, don't well, it, it winds up, it almost sits down. Well, somebody bumped a call real fast as it was almost on the ground hard, which is a no-no, folks, in the duck hunting community. Well, it takes off, and nobody fires a shot at it. I'm like, seriously? Nobody wanted to shoot that big green head. It probably was double-banded with reward bands, you know. Oh, yeah, you oh, know it was. No doubt it was. Well, then we had, we saw ducks all day long, just couldn't get them to work into that hole. They would, they would fly us and get almost in gun range and see something they didn't quite like and a bunch of gab wall and either they were going to do it or they weren't going to do it. And they just, right. they kept falling about a hundred yards further past us, which looked like a nightmare to get to. And one of the guys, when we got in there that morning, first thing he said was my waders are leaking. Oh, how nice. So trying not to go out probably to where we really needed to be, we, we wound up, and we stayed till 12 o'clock. So, I mean, we went up, we had a full 12 hours in that before we even started home that day. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Y'all had some time invested. Yeah. And to come out with three coots, because one of the guys was a uh, younger guy from Louisiana <laughs> and he could not help himself. He had to shoot a coot. So it, it was a well, really nice wood duck roost hole. And there mm. were a ton of wood ducks in there. And there were some gadwall trying to fly back in later in the morning, but they didn't want to sit where we were set up yeah. at um you know and you'd bump a call at them and they turn and give you a little look and then off they'd go and it's like well okay it's gonna be one of those mornings so yeah i say I, I won't do that but then again i've done it well heck when me and you and gary wayne we left here at what two yeah one thirty or two i think i put hayden in the truck about one and we got over to where we were meeting y'all and well, I didn't meeting. make that hunt that morning. Y'all, y'all, I was That's right. gone somewhere. But yeah, y'all, y'all made the old morning drive up. So, I mean, it's a, if you're going duck hunting, if you're going to be from this part of the country, you've got to have a little bit of insanity in you to put in the hours <laughs> and the time and the gruel that we do. I know if you're up at the camp, it's not that bad, but it's still, Still a lot of days you're up at one or two o'clock in the morning to go get in the hole at three to sit for yeah. two or three hours so that you can beat everybody else to one. So 
it's a little more dedication than than a lot of people want to want to put into it. But if you've got the right group of guys, it's a lot of fun no matter what. It is, and I think that's what just keeps us keeps us going back. And I seen a thing the other day. You may you may have seen it. Our uh, our regional director Franz with Delta Waterfowl had posted about different stages of being a hunter, and I kind of looked at that and was evaluating it. You know, it goes from the from the running gun type, you know, kid almost to got to shoot everything that flies through all the way to the and I can't even remember what different category. I think it was five different categories of being a hunter. And it gets to the point to where, you know, you're going to go. You want to sit out there and watch the sunrise if you kill something great. If you don't, it's still a great day. And I'm thinking, you know, as I'm getting older and it's, and was pretty much, you know, started out at category one, you could say, I reckon. And now, you know, I see myself transitioning over the years to getting to, you know, to that category five, not there yet, but, you know, I see it, you know, just developing over the years and, you know, how life changes is, is weird how that happens. Well, I don't know exactly which category I would fall in. Is there a category where it's still all lumped into one? <laughs> no, I, I kind of <laughs> felt, you know, as I was, and I wish I could, I wish I had that right in front of me. I'd kind of read it out, but, you know, I kind of found myself probably around that number four. Uh, if I remember correctly, I kind of considered myself there that, you know, still, still pretty fired up about it, like, likes to walk out with something. And, you know, I can't, I can't quote exactly what it was, but I hadn't transitioned all the way through them yet. But I see my, I seen myself move, moving across the spectrum that, uh, that I am kind of getting, getting over some of what I what I used to be and not as not as gung ho I guess still love it as much as I ever have but you know it's just uh the smaller things do it I guess than than the way it used to be well I can say this growing up I never even noticed a sunrise or a sunset you know you were you were just looking at time or when it was quick enough that I could see something to hopefully be able to harvest that was that was all that that mattered uh you know if i could do it in 10 minutes or two hours i was a happy fella and i still don't really like coming out empty-handed but that's right yeah i do now enjoy a sun sunrise and and just kind of enjoy the moment of being with you being with your buddies and and or family or whatever it is we're doing i know being a parent i enjoy that time more than i probably ever have in my life with anything else and looking back now, I appreciate more the people at a younger age who spent time with me doing those things because they didn't have to. You know, That's you, right. you look at uncles or, you know, cousins or different buddies that you used to hunt with and, you know, they didn't have to spend their time trying to make sure you were successful. Now, when yeah. I get to go with my kids, sometimes, you know, you're frustrated. like, look, you've got to be quiet. But then there's, <laughs> you know, there's also that where you're sitting there and you're watching them and you're like, you know what? I don't, I don't really care if we get anything today or not. I'm enjoying being out here with my children. And, you know, now when they're successful and something actually, everything goes right. Oh, that's sure enough prime time. But even on the days where you don't get what you want, you know, or, or have happen what you really want to have is still, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll have to actually go back and look at what, what Franz had from Delta Waterfowl and see. see yeah, what, check that out and kind of evaluate about. it. We'll, we'll follow up on the, on the next show and you can, you can kind of tell me where you think you've transitioned to or over the years. <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm still running <laughs> gun. It depends on if we're talking about turkeys or ducks or, yeah which animal it is or species that we're chasing. Yeah. With. And I still like to travel all around. So, but now, you know, you say that, but the traveling around is more the adventure in itself. If that's we're right. successful and have great duck hunts, that's great too. But, you know, four of us, was that one, two, three, that's three years ago, we went up to Missouri. Yeah. Three seasons ago. Yeah. And first two days were probably as bad as I've, had anywhere yeah i mean we didn't but now we had a great time goofing off and tilling junk in the blind and you know once we were out of the blind and we hunted daylight come out 
got a little something to eat and went back in that evening. So, I mean, we were, we were pretty well daylight to dark on a hunt and well, we kill a couple of ducks and a couple of geese just that messed up and flew close mm-hmm. enough. That it wasn't like they actually wanted to be where we were. We just finally just got happened. something within gun range and, and made it happen. But now a turkey takes off gobbling and I can't help myself. I still have to take off running. That, oh, yeah. that sit down and call thing is still not my favorite. Now I will do it from time to time, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like to have room where I can stretch my legs and run and try to out, outmaneuver. Cause to me, that's still, that's still one of the best chess games in the world. If you, if you'd like to strategic, uh, you know, to be strategic on stuff and try to outthink or outmaneuver something, that that's one of the best games in the world, in my opinion. That it is. That it is. It's just, a, it's, it's different. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but you're sitting, I mean, duck, and, and to me, turkey hunting and deer hunting, they're, I mean, duck hunting, duck hunting and turkey hunting, they are, they have their own, they're in their own category in my mind. You're sitting there, you're trying to talk something into coming to you, um, you know, you're in its habitat. It, it, it falls in the same, but yet again, turkey hunting is just so much, so much different at the same time. Oh, without a doubt. And like you say, whether you're, whether you're deer hunting, duck hunting, turkey hunting, you know, it all takes a special skill. And woodsmanship is something that I don't know if we've really ever discussed on here, but. You know, I've walked in the woods with people and I'm like, my God, could you make any more racket? <laughs> you know, and then you slip in with some and go, man, they quieter than I am. You know, I mean, it's just different, different mm-hmm. strokes, different folks. And, you know, do you step in a creek? Do you step over the creek? You know, just trying to be stealthy, knowing when to move and when not to move. You know, turkey hunting is a lot of patience, but sometimes you've got to, be patient for an hour or two, and then you see one in a field, and you better get up there as fast as you can. Yep. And you better get up there as slick as you can. Whether you having to run below a hill and, and take off running. You know, last year I, I was able to kill a turkey that I outran. I mean, there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, they were headed down a pipeline and wanted nothing to do with me. I yelped a few times, and every time I yelped, they would stop. It was three of them together, and they would stop and gobble. But they just weren't interested in me. I don't know if they had just left hands or if they knew where something was and they weren't, they had a spot they were going to and they weren't turning around and coming back to me. So I had to jump down on the road beside them and, oh, I, I took vest and everything off and took off running. Had nothing but a shotgun and shells with me and a mouth call in my mouth and I took off on a dead sprint and, got about a hundred yards ahead of them and they walked right up to me. So, I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't going to call them to me. There was no if, ands, or buts about it. I'd, I'd bumped every call I had and they, they were 150 yards away and would gobble their heads off, but they were not coming my way. They were steadily working their way the other direction. Sometimes that's what it takes. And, and you've got to learn to read things. And sometimes you guess wrong. That's the fun part of it. Yeah. I know and last learn, year I learned from that wrong guess next time. I worked a bird last year. I watched him strut and drum in a road the morning before. And I said, All right, sucker, I got your number. I'm gonna get slipped down there in the dark. I'm gonna sit still and I'll be sitting there waiting on you when you well, daylight hit, he gobbled right where I thought he was. I said, Yep, this is gonna be over pretty quick. I yelped one time, tree yelped at him, one time. He gobbled his head off back, and I said, well, he knows there's a hen over in the area where he was strutting yesterday. I'm in his strut zone. It's over with. When I tell you that scoundrel went the other way, and I never moved, I never made another sound. I sat sat right there, and I was across and back, so I know there's no way he ever even remotely saw me. And... The next time I heard him gobble, about 20 minutes or 15 minutes later, he was 300 yards going the other direction. And I'm like, well, okay. Mm. So where I thought I had a plan, my plan fell apart quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but 
the next morning I was right back in there on him again. It took me a couple more. I finally worked the deal out, but it, it was several mornings where it was like, God, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. And I think he had a hen that was treeing up next to him. And wherever she pitched down to and went to is where he was going. That was his plan. Yep. But I thought he had a, I thought he had a strut zone designated that he was coming to because he had been there the morning before it, right after daylight. I could see him up there. I just could not figure out how to slip up on him and could see he had a hen up there. So I knew it was going to be a while before he broke loose from her. And I just didn't have the time to hang out in there that morning and fool yeah. with him. But, you know, that's all part of it. That it is. That it is. Well, uh, I know we're kind of getting back here on the on the second half of things, but you went on an interesting hunt. It was interesting to me because I'd never heard of the kind of operation you went on. I guess I would call it a, a pig killing. Huh? Well, let, let's back up here a second. Back during little girl softball last year, a good friend of mine, his little girl plays on the same team as mine. He got to talking about this, and apparently this is something they've done the last couple of years, like the last 10 or 12 years. They found a place over in Texas. It's a high-fence place. But you go over there, and you take bows, and you stalk pigs within that fence. And I was like, you do what? I said, why don't y'all take a shotgun or a rifle? Well, there's other species in there other than hogs, so they don't want a stray bullet catching anything that's not intended and the more we got to talking about some man when y'all decide to go let me know you know i mean let me know what i need and and i'll kind of get my stuff together and he's like well you're gonna need a minimum of three dozen arrows and three dozen broadheads and i'm like dude what mm. so i get my arrows and my broadheads together and i i go on I, I found some on ebay i found me some some little cheap broadheads that they recommended and i found some arrows that were you know, almost the right length. I think they were about a half inch shorter than what I normally shoot, but they, they still fit my bow just fine. So I had my gear together. Well, we had talked about this back in October. Well, I had forgotten all about it. Hadn't, hadn't heard from anybody. Didn't know. Well, one of the younger guys, mama's posted a thing on Facebook about the, the young boy going and, Said, you know, hopefully this year on this hunt, he doesn't have to go swimming for a hog in cold weather. Well, I text him, I messaged them and said, hey, are y'all fixing to head up to Texas? And they were like, yeah, you need to come on. You know, are you still going? Like, dude, ain't nobody messaged me anything. <laughs> so I messaged his uncle who, who had first told me about it. And I'm like, dude, are you going? He's like, yeah, you going? We, we, we got room for you. You still coming? So needless to say, my stuff went in the truck, and within just an hour or two, I was headed towards Texas. Well, this place is just, I, I was told I'm not allowed to tell where it's at, but it's just the other side of Beaumont, Texas, so not, you know, five hours from here. Well, we drive up that night, get out there, and when my feet hit the ground, they said, go ahead and grab your bow, let's go. Now, it's 8 o'clock at night, like, let's go where? Oh. They're like, well, we're going to go scout and go see where the hogs are staying at in this. And it's a 250-acre high-fence area. But they were going to go out and scout. They had thermals, little handheld, uh, you know, monocular thermals. And we eased around. We actually shot a pig or two that night with green lights on our bows by finding them with the thermal, which was a very neat thing because you're walking through the dark and you know there's almost 200 hogs because the man had told us it was over 200 hogs in this high-fenced area. So you know there's 200 pigs in this area, and you got four yahoos walking around with a thermal and a green light on a bow and arrow. Like, y'all, what are we going to do we get in here and mess up and run one of these things on top of us? They're like, well, there's four of us. We can get out of here. So needless to say, we start to hunt the next morning. Everybody finally gets a good night's sleep, and the next morning we get started, and we start off on stands. You're sitting on a stand over a corn feeder, and I had a I had a black buck, and I think three does come walking up on me. And when the feeder, they stood within 15 yards of the feeder for about 10 minutes, never moved, never looked up towards me, nothing. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm in the good. 
they stood in line or stood right there waiting until the feeder went off and the feeder scared them so bad they ran off. Huh. <laughs> which, which was amazing to me because they had been standing there waiting for the feeder to go off. Yeah. I figured they're going to come on in and eat. No, they just eased on off and went the other way. Well, about 30 minutes of me sitting over at feeder and not seeing anything with, they had started a group <laughs> text. So I text on the group. I said, Hey, are y'all staying in the stands or are y'all going to get out and stalk pigs? And they're like, dude, we're already on the ground. So I get off the little corner I'm in. I'm like, well, I'm going to ease back here and just look. Well, I get to walking down a little path and I look about 150 yards ahead of me. There's a huge hog. When I say huge, probably 120, 130 pounds. But when you're on the ground with it with a bow and arrow, it looked, you know, like a, a lot bigger pig coming towards you. Well, he's walking down the fence hitting the fence, trying to find him a weak spot. He's trying to get out. Yeah. Well, I stopped behind a tree, and I'm like, well, if this sucker just walks up here, I'm going to shoot him. Well, he doesn't. He he turns, gets about 40 yards from me and turns, and he's just easing up through the woods. Well, the little trail I was going cut down beside where he was walking, so I just get to slipping up behind him, getting a little closer, a little closer. Well, I get about 20 yards from him. He's still not paying me any attention. I need him to take about another, he needs to go about another 10 feet before he gets out into the same little road that I'm walking on. He lays down behind a stump. Oh, wow. Well, I'm 20 yards from him. I can only see the top of his back and his hindquarters. And I'm like, well, he really hadn't paid me any attention. And it had rained the night before, so the ground was wet. I said, well, I'm going to see if I can't ease up here where I can get a shot. So I get within 15 yards of him kind of behind him to an angle, but I've got a really good shot at him. Yeah. So I take my shot, and he jumps up, and then it dawns on me, what am I going to do? Here I am on the ground with a bow in my hand. I don't even have another arrow ready. What am I going to do when this fool charges me? (laughs) Well, he doesn't. He runs the 10 feet I needed him to earlier and stops in the middle of the road. I mean, the arrow's in him really well. Well, it gives me well, enough on, time. I got a question. So are you able to have, you know, a handgun in self-defense during this at all? No. They recommended we don't bring any firearm whatsoever. Okay. So I've got my backpack is full of arrows. So I reach back, get me another arrow, get notched again, and I put a second arrow in him. Well, he takes off running again. I'm like, how in the world? I have put two arrows in him in really good shots, and this scoundrel's doing 90 to nothing going down the down the woods well he finally bowls over so i get over drag him to a road and by the time i get my one arrow did a pass through and the other one i'm pulling out of him i get to looking and there's two more hogs that i guess when he was running just got them stirred up now they're not looking at me they're not paying me any attention so i start stalking them get within about 50 yards and one of the guys texts, and he's like, hey, let's all meet up at so-and-so place. So needless to say, I come off of those two hogs. We'll go over there and meet them. We get on a buggy, and we go drive down to this corner of this place. And they're like, all right, we're going to push everything into the other corner. We've got five or six guys down there. The three or four, we're going to push these pigs that are up here down to them and let them all get shots. And I'm like, so we're fixing to drive cattle? Because that's, that's, that's what I think you just said. We're fixing to work a roundup is basically what we're fixing to do using the fence as one one border. You know, we're just going to push them down like you would cows in a pasture. He's yeah. like, yeah. So that's what we do. And we take off and we push, and we push probably 40 pigs up on these guys. And mm. everybody's got an orange toboggan or orange hat on. That way, you know, if you go to let an arrow go, if you see orange, don't don't shoot. But Right. Yeah, we could see each other moving through the woods. And the woods, the the other game animals in that pen had eaten everything about eight foot up. So, I mean, there's no leaves. So, I mean, you can see everybody walking pretty well. But, dude, it was absolutely amazing. You'd be walking through there and there'd be a broken treetop sitting over there. And you're like, okay, well, I don't see a pig anywhere. And all of a sudden, it'd be six pigs shoot out of that treetop. And you're like, where in the heck did they come from? <laughs> And I mean, these were 15 to 40 pound pigs. I mean, most of the time. So 
I jumped one up on the second day. I walked up and there was a waller area where they had dug down about six inches and just had a, you, you know what a good rooted up area mm-hmm. looks like. Oh, yeah. Well, as I'm walking up, I'm looking at it. I'm like, is that a pig? Underneath some leaves, everything but about a six-inch circle on the back end of this pig, which was probably 20 pounds, is completely covered with leaves. Well, I go to draw back, and when I go to draw back, I guess it sensed me moving and stood up and ran about 10 feet. And when it stopped, I put an arrow through it. But it's like, you know, if I hadn't almost walked up on top of this thing, I'd have never seen it. Yeah. But we had several where you'd be walking, doing a drive, and you'd look, and there'd be 15, 20 pigs running in front of you. And then all of a sudden, somebody whistled and like, hey, 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 right there. I'd go to looking and finally see a lump. Or see you, you know, an ear sticking out or something and, you know, draw back and take your shot and here come out a squealing pig. And it's like, where, you know, we've probably walked by 20. Yeah. But now the fun part on the drive was, is you're pushing pigs down. There were several choke points on this property where there'd be a lake or something where you could, you know, that would come close to the fence. So you could line four or five guys up on it. Mm-hmm. And then four or five more would take off pushing. Well, when you're driving them down towards other guys, they would get their shots or the pigs would, you know, after the second or third time we had tried this, would get a little smart and turn around. Well, when they turned around, then they're coming back at the guys pushing. Well, we're 60, 70 yards apart, so there's plenty of room that you can still shoot. So it was a lot of arrows flew at running pigs, and a lot of them made contact. I let several go that I was surprised, you know, that I would – have one squeal or you know you'd see one pass through because there was more than once where i shot at the lead pig and i hit the third one <laughs> you have to, your lead right well they scooting pretty good through them woods oh yeah and then there were several that i shot i shot one in the head at about 20 steps i mean arrow sticking out of his forehead and he charged mm-hmm. me well i'm doing a dance around a tree with this pig coming around behind me <laughs> Just like you'd be a bull around a barrel. And about the second time I made the loop around the tree, he broke off of me and went running towards one of the other guys. Well, he got an arrow in him. Well, when he got that second arrow in him, the pig stopped. Well, I was able to run another 10 or 15 feet and get where I was, you know, safely away from that guy where I could shoot again. So I got another arrow in him. So this pig's got three arrows in him and he takes off. Well, I think Mm. by the time we got him down, he had eight shots through him. And the big dude still was sitting there chomping his teeth, wanting to fight with the eighth arrow through him. And it was like well, y'all had y'all had one one injury on the uh, on the trip, huh? We we did have one injury, and I'm not going to say names, but he he is a a I don't I'm not exactly sure how you say that. Not he has military medical training. Let's yeah. let's put it that way. I'm, I'm not going to say whether he's active or inactive, but he decided he had put two arrows in his hog's rear end and the hog went down. Well, I had run up around and dude, I'm telling you from an old guy standpoint, there was more walking and running than I've done in a long time. Cause you were trying to outrun them <laughs> to get up ahead of them to get you another shot, another safe shot. And I had swung around and ran up and had a shot at 20 yards and I told him, I said, hey, you want me to put another one in him? He said, no, nah, no, nah, I got him. His back end's down. I said, that's fine. His front end's active. Well, he didn't want me. I mean, I've got it drawn back. And I'm like, you sure? He's like, no, don't, don't, don't shoot. So I let my bow down and he goes up to kick him to get him to turn his head so he can get a knife in him. <laughs> and when he kicked, he missed his head. And when he missed his head, the pig bit him right above the rubber boot on the back of his calf. Now, he went to hollering about he he had cut his camouflage. And I'm like, I think you may want to check your leg. You may have more than just your camouflage cut. Well, he went up going back and and gave himself a shot. And he put five stitches in it right there at the camp, which is something that I don't know if I could do. But he, he put five good stitches in it and wrapped it and put some medical cream on it and back he came and he hunted both ways ready, ready to go again yeah yeah a little 
fairly tough fella. I'll give you that. But now, I've got a video that I've been debating on whether I should air or not of one of our young athletic gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And he's not looking that athletic in the video. I'll, uh, I, I did some editing to it the other day. One of the, one of the red stags got a little friendly with him that was in the picture. Oh. And him trying to get away from it, he, he happened to get tangled up in his feet and go down. I'll send you the video. I've, I've been picking at him, told him I was going to try to make him insta famous. See if we can yeah, make that one go viral. That. Oh, it's hilarious. Especially if you were there and you heard all the trash talking that had been going on the whole time. Because you can imagine 10 guys that are in on this activity, it's a lot of trash talking. You missed, you know, even when you made a decent shot, you know, you didn't. But I know, I think I I finished off, I can say, six hogs. Now, we killed 54. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how many before – because there were several that had been shot four or five times before we finally got them down. Oh, wow. I mean, it was – somebody showed me how – one of the guys there showed me how to check my phone because I did a lot of the drives the first day, which we all rotated around. But he said, yeah. Jake, he said, look at your phone and tell me how many steps you took. Well, I had taken 21,100 and something steps Saturday. Good. Yes. And I don't know how many miles that calculates out to, but – more than usual. Yeah, way more than usual. I will guess between <laughs> seven to eight miles. And if some of those were running, some were some were walking. Most of it was walking. But it, it was definitely an adventure, and, and I'm looking forward to going back again. Whenever they tell me we're, we're going to go back again, I'm, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Well, good deal, man. Good deal. I think we're about out of time, aren't we? We are. We are. We're down to the, to the nitty-gritty here, but uh, – all right. Well, you know, it's been it's been a good season and uh and yeah, we'll move on to some to some guests next week and and get somebody lined up. I guess everybody was trying to finish up their hunting season and didn't get a minute to talk, but uh but anyway that'll be all right. We had gave us a chance to catch you up and see what's been going on and kinda of recap some of the how our season's been going and, and a hunt you went on and, and all that kind of good stuff. But uh well, but anyway, Poole, I'm going to let you get back after it, man. Well, as always, I've enjoyed it. And, yeah, it was good for us just to catch up, kind of catch our season up. Because we haven't oh, done yeah. this in a while. so That's right. Well, everybody, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Outdoor Country Talk. And God bless. God bless. Well, ain't nothing like a southern air. Lord, to make you feel all right. I got the windows down. I got the radio on.